0: Good morning, everybody. (laughs) Hey, nice to see you all. So, I've got this wonderful subject this morning, based on the passage we've heard this morning, and the theme is, does God care about our pain? Joy. (laughs) Um, I think my first thoughts were, oh my goodness, how on earth do I stand here and share this subject with a room full of people? Not least... Because just judging by the law of averages, there are going to be people here right now uh, who are, are hurting, who are going through problems and are going to be in a lonely and barren place. The reasons for this could be numerous. The issues could be work, too much, none at all. Possibly you feel trapped in a job that you hate. You could have troubles in your family where relationships have become fractured or broken. Loneliness, sickness, and fatigue. I could go, You could go on and you could insert into the sentence, does God even care about, and then your pain. And you may feel like that sometimes. You may have had to endure that situation for so long now that you've got to your point that your relationship with God if God has even began to suffer. Maybe you'd no longer open your Bible regularly. The thought of listening to a sermon, maybe, on God's goodness could leave you cold. And although on the outside you look okay to others, on the inside you no longer know which way to turn. You don't know what to do. It's all you can do to function. We can feel sorry for ourselves. You remember the kids' song? Nobody likes me, everybody hates me, might as well then go and eat worms. I'm <laughs> so Are you pleased I sang that? Yeah. You may have guessed I'm not a singer. Um, I'm guessing we have all felt like that at some point in our lives. In contrast, of course, we may be in a great place. Work, family and friends are all tickety-boo. You've got, you know, 2.3 kids in a microwave, you go on 1.7 holidays a year or whatever the statistic is, and you're living that kind of, like, you know, that life that the media at least tell you that we're all supposed to aspire to. The reality is that we've possibly and most probably been in both places at some time in our lives and may well be in them again. For Hannah, both these situations were playing out in her life. And as we read there in chapter 1, Hannah is a wife, one of two, married to Elkanah, his other wife being Peninnah, and she is described as her rival. Probably not descri- surprising having two wives in one relationship, you're going to have a rival. Um, now we read that Peninnah had children, but that Hannah had none. Not having children would have been a source of tremendous shame for Hannah, and Elkanah could have divorced her for that reason alone. However, we read that he loved her, and that one of the ways he showed his love to her was at these religious festivals. At these festivals, as the person giving the offering, the larger part of the peace offering was giving back to the people, the family. And for them and their family and friends to eat in a feast before the Lord. Hannah's husband shows his affection towards Hannah by giving her the choicest portion. Um, And um, then he would give portions also to all the others. I kind of get this. If I've made a roast dinner, which hasn't been for a while really. Tracy and I was on opposites. But when we've done it, I'll be like, Trace, do you want to come and choose your potatoes? (laughs) Because you know roast potatoes are a serious business. (laughs) And you're like, oh, and you'll soon be like, oh, I'll have that one, and I'll have that one, you know, because and it's got the right amount of crisp and stuff, and and I get that, I get so much joy just from seeing her, oh, lovely, you know, enjoying the right potato. So I get that, I get that. Now Peninnah would provoke Hannah. This went on year after year. It even says that she would do it whenever they would go to the house of the Lord. Hannah had become very downhearted, distressed to the point of crying and not eating. Her husband attempts to console his crying wife, probably not an easy task. Unfortunately, he attempts to do it in the usual sensitive way that some of us men do and says this wonderful, wonderful line, don't I mean more to you than ten cents? I'd love to have been a fly on the wall there. (laughs) I can just picture her reaction, Oh! and off she would have gone sobbing and you'd have been like what, what, what did I do, what did I say um, my wife's grinning <laughs> unfortunately I read that I can only imagine what reaction was to that Hannah prays and makes a bargain with God as the goes, story goes on she gets misunderstood by the priest she corrects him ends up receiving a blessing and is now happier she continues to worship the Lord, and in the fullness of the time, became pregnant and gave birth to Samuel. So, what can we take from all this? My first point, well, we see Hannah dealing with a problem by giving it to the Lord. Prayer. Hannah, it would seem, pretty much prayed unceasingly on this. It wasn't, why do you hate me? What have I done to deserve this? Or any other form of pity party. She asked God to remember her. Not that God had forgotten to her or overlooks us either, but it was just a figure of speech. Do it for me. It's curious that she makes this prayer a bargain. If you, then I will. Now, I don't want to make a doctrine out of this, but it's worth a mention. Be very careful. What you bargain with God. Um, I don't know whether to give this story in full or not. There was a time, some, some time back, I was invited to a party. I had hurried, I had rushed to the party, I'd been working, and I was told there'd be food there all day, and yes, come along at any time. But when I got there, I, all the food was gone, I hadn't eaten for hours. Someone shoved a glass of wine. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, and I'm still in the mentality of rushing. I have a great time until I get home and wake up after I've gone to bed and I am ill. I am very ill. I'm not going to go into the, <laughs> the details of how ill I am, but I'm ill. I've done it to myself. And ultimately, I was basically kneeling in front of the toilet downstairs. And I was like, oh, God, I am so sorry. Look at me. What state have I got myself into? I call myself a Christian. What on earth am I doing here? I was like, God, just please, just make this go away. I will never get drunk again. Boom. In that second, that very second, I was fine. I was no longer drunk. I was no longer sick. Both ends had recovered. We'll leave it at that. Um, (laughs) um, I was just like, I had to check myself. I was like... Stood up, I'm well. And then I remembered, I made a bargain there, I'd thrown that bargain out to God, he'd chosen to take me up on it, and that required a response from me, which is why now you see me out, I'm generally drinking, I don't know, Bex Blue or something, <laughs> um, because I had to, I had to respond. It's not that I'm alcohol free, but I am very careful. You know, two drinks maximum over several hours, because the promise was I wouldn't get drunk. Um, so be careful what you say, even in passing. He may just take you up on it. A bit of an aside, but there we go. Anyhow, it does give rise to the idea: of, Is the pain we are in all up to God to solve? Bear with me. In this case, Hannah was prepared to give something up and God was able to use that. Some of the situations we may have which cause us pain require us to give something up in order to make room for God to work in our lives. It may be an attitude or a way of thinking or a lifestyle. Maybe some things we have made an idol of in our life. Perhaps unforgiveness or even not forgiving ourselves so that we can move on in a situation. Whether it's an issue of our own making or just circumstances, God cares and wants us to share that with him. Read in Philippians 4, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And in 1 Peter 5, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Surely these passages are a great template for us in seeking God whatever the situation and in turn making room to hear his guidance or to make us receptive to something from his word. A second point would be don't Give up. Hannah kept on praying. Year after year, she would continue to seek God for what she needed, even when there was no sign of, that things were going to happen. In fact, as each year passed without an answer to prayer, and despite her pain and discouragement, she continued to seek God for the answer to her pain. And we read in a parable in Luke 18. so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. It's just as well she didn't give up and credit to her character that she didn't. And a great lesson for us. Thank you. <laughs> Hannah remains faithful when everything is coming against her. Have you ever heard yourself saying, nothing's going right for me at the moment? Well, that moment can sometimes seem never-ending. Even when we try to do the right thing, Opposition to us can seem to multiply. i this close, we may say. Well, Hannah had that, yet she didn't give up. We read that Penina, her rival, would provoke Hannah purely based on the fact that she couldn't have children, basically, rubbing salt into the wound, kicking her when she was down. Hannah, in her despair, she would do the right thing and go to the temple to pray. But that, when she did this, Peninnah would step it up a notch. We read in verse 7, this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. It seems that Peninnah would actively set out to ridicule her when she was seeking God for help with her pain. I think in this seemingly ever-secular In godless society we live in now, we too can feel the pressure of scorn from others who may undermine us seeking God. We have an enemy who prowls like a lion looking for whom he can destroy. And in the depths of our pain, we may be more vulnerable than ever just to give up. Hannah doesn't, but she still gets a bit more of a rough ride. Again, in the midst of Hannah seeking God, this time the priest himself misunderstands Hannah's actions and assumes she is drunk. Because due to the fact that she's moving her lips in sort of silent prayer, but not speaking, you kind of got to feel sorry for her. Now, I don't think that the priest was deliberately mean, but this was more of a picture of what these religious festivals had become. People were going through the appearance of doing the right thing and going to religious feasts, but in practice, for many, they had become a celebration for themselves. The priests had probably seen many a drunk person before over the years, uh, at what was supposed to be a celebration to God. Um, you may see this for yourselves soon around town. Merry Christmas. Again, though, Hannah's response is an example for us. She doesn't act out or get angry, but she just calmly explains what she's doing. Which brings me to my next point. Don't keep it to yourself. In the midst of pain or a difficult situation, you may feel that you don't want to share. We may be scared that we may face ridicule or it may make us look vulnerable to others. We're trying to keep a front up. Maybe this is more true for some of us men here than women, possibly. Um, as women do tend to share with their friends probably a bit better than us men do. However, this is not a hard and fast rule. Hannah only shared because the priest, when it, to the priest when it became obvious that there was something wrong. But she didn't receive any shame. Instead, she received a blessing. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked for of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away. She ate something and her face was no longer downcast. The act of sharing had led to her having a different outlook. A change in her situation, even though nothing yet had had changed for her. If we only looked at the problem, that's all we are going to see. This brings me to point number four: God deserves all the glory. It says Hannah next morning, "Worship before the Lord, regardless of the situation and whether we see it or not. Um, let us not give. Let us always give the due glory to God." Hannah was yet to see the manifestation of her breakthrough that she had been looking for but she's still able to worship God as God A very answer to prayer does not come does come in the fullness of time um, and when she does see that miracle and she does give, have the child she is good to her word and um, once the child is weaned Samuel she does give him in service to God And then in chapter 2 of Samuel, if you want to take time to read it at some point, you will see a long uh, kind of prayer of joy and thanksgiving. It's, a, it's a really worth <laughs> looking at at some point later on, uh, where you see the joy and uh, she's giving all the glory to God again. We are given the same instructions by James. It says in James 5 If any one of you is in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing a song of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And then my final point: point of what about me? What when your desire or situation isn't answered or fulfilled? The fact is that you might not get what you've been praying for. Although I found over the years, he does always respond. Does that mean God doesn't care? Of course not. I know, because my wife and I, we can't have children. Yet, in the pain of that, God has provided comfort for us, each in different ways. He has used us to support for other children. He's put children in our lives. We have loved them and they have loved us back. And you know, when you're not tied down by your own children, friends will make full use of you as a babysitter. <laughs> well, bully for you, you say. But what do I do? Well, you continue with points one, two, three, and four, <laughs> and so on. Why? Because he is true to his word, and his word says, he is the God who fights for us. He is the God who goes before us, who will never leave us or forsake us. He is our shepherd, who refreshes our soul. He is our light and our salvation, the stronghold of my life and our lives, our hope and our confidence. He comforts us with his unfailing love. He has compassion towards us. He is our protector. He is our rescuer. He gives us peace. He is our father and he is love. And Matthew 5, and because he comforts those who mourn. I could go on listing the characteristics and attributes of God, it would probably take me another 15, 20 minutes of just going on like that, like that. The Bible is a love letter to us. He clearly cares. So I'm just going to end with 2 Corinthians, mm-hmm. chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. And it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Then we will see God's caring in action from Him and through us. Okay.